2021, it's difficult for the average person to imagine that someone born and raised in the United States does not know how to use technology or navigate public transportation or could be overcome with anxiety at the thought of crossing the street. Now imagine being in a position where it's frowned upon to ask for help in those situations or even ask questions because you're expected to just know. I was that person six years ago. For over a decade, I lived in what I call a time capsule. I was eventually released from one of New Jersey's state prisons, but to an area where I had never lived, at an age that people expected me to act in a manner that was foreign to me and without the support needed for my survival. I couldn't get a job because I never had a resume. I couldn't get an apartment because I had no rental, employment, or credit history. I couldn't do the many things that would prevent me from going back to the system designed for me to fail. Unfortunately, I'm not the only neighbor you pass that has a similar reentry experience. So welcome to Hiding in Plain Sight, the neighbors you never hear from. This series will take you on a journey of reentry through the firsthand experiences of six people and where they are today. I recently sat down with a gentleman who spoke about his personal reentry troubles. Our conversation included civic engagement, family loss, and therefore a loss of reentry support. He also shed light on his physical health struggles, such as being hospitalized several times for many strokes. That began with the lack of a proper diet during his confinement and medical care. Yes, Parrish King, born in Brooklyn, New York, a proud New York resident, uh, former resident, now living in Newark. But I love New York. I will always identify with New York. But now I love Newark just as much, you know, and uh, I'm proud to be living here in Newark, New Jersey. Because of a sudden illness that became fatal for his only support system, Parrish has been displaced several times over the past few years. Many prisoners experience a loss of family and support network while in prison. So on release, social isolation and disconnection from former relations become common and prevalent. Post-release depression, anxiety, and social ills are a few common results. Uh, probably the close, close-knit family. My mom, I'm a mama's boy, and I was a mama's boy in prison, and my mom came to see me every month, you know? And even the year before she passed away, she passed away July 4th, 2017. And I was released December 7th, uh, 2017. That year prior to uh, me being released, she came to see me and she hadn't told me that she had been sick. So I go out to the visiting hall. My mom was about four foot nine little wobbly little woman. <laughs> I go out to the visitor hall and I'm looking around and I don't see her. And it wasn't that she wasn't there, it was that she had lost so much weight, she was, she was had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And I immediately began crying because I knew at that moment that when I got out of prison, she wasn't gonna be there. And that was, I thought I was prepared for it, you know, even, like I said, knowing that it inevitable was going to happen. But I really didn't grieve until two years afterwards. The Christmas, two years after I had come home. And I'm still grieving, you know, because we had a plan. She was going to fix me all my favorite foods, you know. And uh, 
she fought so hard to be there when I got home. You know, I think she she survived as long as she did because her whole dream was to see me walk out that prison. And um, it, it, it hurts me at times because, you know, I decided to go to trial. If I had her taken the deal, I would have been home when she passed away rather than be in prison. Currently, Parrish is pursuing his undergrad degree at Rutgers Newark to eventually become a clinical psychologist, but his academic journey is taking much longer than expected. Reentry is much more than just providing access to jobs or housing. What happens to the individuals that are unable to work because they are physically incapable? What happens to the reentry population that is vulnerable in this manner? Nutrition in prisons is the worst. I wasn't diabetic prior to going to prison, uh, and I was much heavier. I was 315 pounds when I went to prison and, and wasn't diabetic. But after being in prison for roughly five years, I developed diabetes because of the diet. The diet is heavy in starch, uh, no vegetables, uh, high sugar contents in the food. Uh, we don't have uh, much choice of what we buy from commissary. Everything that's sold on commissary promotes diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, uh, you know, and all of the above. And so that's one of the biggest issues in prison is health, um, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional health. And there's nothing being done in prison to promote healthy living. And actually, it does the state and the taxpayers a disservice when you don't provide these types of things for people because you want to pay paying in health costs, health uh, uh, insurance, and uh, high uh, doctor's rates, you know. And so it was, it, it, it was it's definitely been a, a, a story that need, really needs to be told because there's so many men and women uh, uh, who are de literally physically dying behind prison walls because they're not receiving the care that they need. Speaking with Paris shows the gaps of the healthcare system inside correctional facilities. I went on to ask Parrish about his feelings about reentry, especially for those released during a global pandemic. We just had a, 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 a big number of men and women be released on November 4th. They have been released in the midst of COVID, asked to get certain documents that are almost, almost impossible to get under the circumstances that they're, that they're, they're under. Everything is, has to be done electronically. There's no preparation for a prisoner to work with computers and technology while they're in prison. So now you're releasing them into a world where everything runs on the computer and they're not prepared to, to, to really uh, handle that or, uh, or navigate that system. And, and if you've done many years in prison, now you gotta come out here and everything, I mean, even down to going to Walmart, you gotta use a little computer to check out your, check out your food, and that can be very very frustrating, very very humiliating, uh, to have to ask someone, you know, things that most people take for granted out here. Even myself, I've been out here three years, and I'm still 
having issues with the computers. Did you know that as of March 2020, over 83,000 people on parole and probation in New Jersey had their right to vote restored? That number will only increase as more and more people are released from confinement each day. November 3rd, 2020 was one of the most historical elections ever, and Parrish was happy to share his experience with us to conclude our conversation. I hadn't voted since, I think, when Clinton was was elected president. I think that was the first time I actually voted. And so that, you know, how many years ago that was. So being able to vote, just the, the opportunity to vote, because, you know, when you're being released on parole, you're told here in New Jersey, you can't vote as long as you're on parole. So I got on parole in 2022. I wasn't ex- expecting to be able to vote until then. And to see guys that I had done time with fight so vigorously for us to get the right to vote and didn't have the opportunity to vote in one of the craziest elections ever. (laughs) What would happen if we paid attention in a measurable way, not only to the impact that formerly incarcerated individuals have on communities, but to how they can enhance it? With the world's highest incarceration rate, it is naive of us as a country to not address the unhinged and unchecked harm caused by the carceral system and advance the natural and civil rights of those currently and formerly incarcerated. This is Tia in Nork, and thanks for listening to another episode of Hiding in Plain Sight, the neighbors you never hear from. And if you're interested in ways to get involved with helping our neighbors locally, I encourage you to visit njforthouse.org. That's njforthouse.org. Or all of us are none northernnj.com. That's all of us are none northernnj.com. This series is part of the Nork News and Story Collaborative, made possible with the funding support of the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation and the Victoria Foundation. The Nork News and Story Collaborative is committed to elevating community driven storytelling to fill information gaps in local and national media. The Collaborative trains community members in storytelling, media making, and other creative art forms to share and amplify their experiences. It's laying the groundwork for a collaborative network that will address longstanding information inequities in Newark, New Jersey. For more information and to hear local stories, visit www.newarkstories.com.